This is HPR episode 1797 entitled, An Interview with Aaron Wolf of the Snowdrift Co-op Project, and is part of the series, Interviews. It is posted by David Whitman, and is about 15 minutes long. The summary is, Aaron Wolf of the Snowdrift Co-op Project is interviewed by David Whitman. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. David Whitman, I'm at Linux Fest Northwest, and I'm talking to, and I'll let you introduce yourself. Uh, this is Aaron Wolf, and I'm a co-founder of a project called Snowdrift.coop. Yes, and I heard about you, oddly enough, from when Lord Dragonblute was at scale and did an interview for HBR. So we're kind of repeating that, but I think this project is important enough to get another mention of it and uh, talk about its goals and objectives and how it's going. Well, I'll go ahead and give some updates then since scale. Uh, we are a work in progress, so we're not a functioning site yet, but we're getting volunteers involved, and we have a new lead developer who's working full-time on getting everything set. Uh, so people who come want to come and hack on the site can now do a quick, instant build, and we're doing everything we can to be welcoming to beginners. And why should anybody come hack on this particular project? The answer is that we're really trying to do something meaningful uh, that will affect everybody in the free and open world. So let's start from the beginning. What is the Snowdrift project about? Well, what we're doing is creating a coordinated funding system for the community to support freely licensed projects. And that's not necessarily software. It could be uh, music or t- other types of things, other art, uh, te- uh, textbooks, or educational resources of other sorts, or science. Uh, but Freely licensed projects are something where once the work is done, everybody gets the results. So whether or not you chipped in to the development, uh, you benefit, and that's how public goods work. And there's a question of how do you get everybody to chip in and fund them in the first place. In our system, a project that is a freely licensed project will be listed for support. And as a supporter, you can say, I will chip in a little bit each month for each other supporter who will help with me. So... At a tenth of a cent minimum pledge, if I say, hey, I'll match you. If you help me, I'll add another tenth of a cent. And the next person who helps, I'll add another tenth of a cent. If there were a thousand people, I'd put in a dollar. And if there were a thousand people doing that, you'd have a thousand dollars a month. You could pay somebody part-time to work on a project. But if there were 5,000 people that joined me, it would be worth it for me to put in my $5. Of course, 5,000 people at $5, we get $25,000 a month. We could fund a team of people to work on our favorite free and open projects. Now, we're also trying to make it scale to work where if you're a wealthier patron or extremely enthusiastic about a particular project, you could maybe make a higher level base pledge. But the core idea is if you just donate all you can right now, it doesn't actually do anything. I 
use Inkscape as an example often because I made some illustrations for the initial logos and sketches of what we're doing for building the site. And it's a great piece of software. Tons of people use it, but it still doesn't compete on feature parity with the proprietary competition. It still has tons of room for improvement. It's not got as anywhere near as much resources as it should have. And if I donate $500 today, it won't change anything. I'll just be out $500 for the most part. I mean, they'll appreciate it. Maybe me and a bunch of other people who donate a little bit, you know, it does do something. But really, we, we're not going to see a different world. But I want to see all of the people who are giving all of their funds to proprietary projects to give them to ter- projects that treat us better. Essentially, if we could get the community coordinated, we're putting more economic power in the hands of the people who are providing the funding at the end of the day and funding projects that treat us as better by using free licensing and by using terms and policies that are actually good for the interests of the public. So basically you're setting up a system where you can fuel the engine that'll make free software better and uh, improve it and to build it. Right. So today the strongest free software is supported by very powerful companies who use the free software in their back-end things. So we have a lot of upstream and very technical sorts of things like the Linux kernel that are well-supported. And we don't see as much downstream, end-user-focused things, uh, apps on your phone, or you know, really useful, normal things that lots of normal uh, small businesses or individuals use. Uh, or, for that matter, cultural products like, I said, music or journalism, We always see those things being all rights reserved. We don't have the normal sort of cultural process respected. We have ads and other sort of malicious things covering everything and getting in the way. Nobody likes that stuff. And yet as a society, we keep giving our money to those projects that put this stuff like these extra ads and trackers and stuff that we don't want. And if we could coordinate everybody better, we could all continue to pay for the valuable development work and get the results on better terms. But when the terms are freely licensed, we have this dilemma, which is the name, the Snowdrift Dilemma, comes from, uh, for our name, the snowdrift.coop, is that if there's a snowdrift blocking the road, and we all want the clear road, and we all benefit once it's cleared, the question is who's going to do the work to clear it? Because each of us may have an incentive to see if somebody else will do it while we get to do something else. And, you know, or we have other tasks and other chores to do and hope somebody else will get to clearing the road. And... W- more people say contributing to clear the snowdrift will make it it can be done in a different way and it's much more sustainable right if you have one guy trying to do this because he happens to be the most desperate it not only does not get cleared as effectively and as efficiently and as quickly but people burn out uh, because they are basically minimizing their losses they're volunteering their time uh, and other people are benefiting but not helping to support the work in the first place Okay, so where can people find out more information about snowdrift.coop? So we have a website, of course, snowdrift.coop. Uh, .coop is a sponsored top-level domain that's uh, only for cooperative organizations. So we're running the whole thing as a democratic cooperative, or will be fully once we actually have everything working. Uh, so the website, snowdrift.coop, has a lot of writing. You can test the system with fake money. And we have a mailing list now and a number of other ways for people to get involved and if they have questions. Uh, people who are on Freenode can also check out our IRC channel. It's just Snowdrift at Freenode.net. 
Very good. And then um, I'd like to ask a little bit about yourself, how you got involved in the project and what your personal goals are. Well, I was, and still am, uh, one of the general members of the general public that's a, an end user. I'm not a programmer by trade. I don't have much experience with any of these things. Uh, I was, I basically really hate advertisements, and I hate all of the sort of very surface-level uh, consumerist junk that I see in our society, and I really like a lot of the things that I've gotten out of some of the free software that I've used, and I have a background in teaching music. I teach guitar lessons mostly for a living, and I found it extremely frustrating to make the best teaching materials out of the basic resources out there because even though there is some public domain resources, most of the relevant cultural material is all rights reserved, copyright controlled. The best teaching materials are that way and most of the materials are all mediocre because they have some good, good ideas and some bad ideas and I can't mix and match them. And the most valuable thing I could do as a music teacher would be to make better educational materials from the Wikimedia things, the wiki books and Wikipedia articles. And that's not a way for me to have a living or make a career. And so I haven't spent tons of time on that. Uh, but it feels very frustrating. And at various times, some of these things led me to try a Linux system in 2012. And little by little, uh, I got involved in the community a little bit and saw some of the amazing promise and the amazing things that have already been achieved and was encouraged by other people to get involved and little by little I ended up in a situation where I was talking about these fundamental problems and somebody with actual technical experience who is a friend of mine said you should write down more about how all of these ideas work and I will do the technical work and I'll make a website for you and he still had to spend some time convincing me to go ahead and actually do it but eventually I gave up the idea of actually going to this musicology PhD I was considering doing and uh, dedicating my time really to making this project work because I think it's a, a valuable thing and I, I really uh, couldn't have done it without the support of a bunch of other technically experienced people in the community uh, but we're, we're getting there and I'm now learning a lot of things that I didn't plan to but I'm actually learning the uh, Haskell a little bit because the, we use a Haskell-based web framework called Yasode, and I've been learning more about how websites work and web development and all these other things uh, because it was needed to be done, and I'm there and I'm doing some of it. Well, very good. And so this is how much of your, um, I guess, work time or percentage of your life work is dedicated to the Snowdrift Co-op project? Well, it really has taken over my life to a large extent. Uh I gave up grad school in order to do this, and then for about four or five months, I was sort of half-time, or maybe a little more than half-time, still teaching and then working on this, and my wife got a position after she finished her grad school in Michigan and moved out to Portland, Oregon, and at that time, I left all of my students behind who were in Michigan. So I spent about a year mostly on sabbatical, if you will, uh, just working on snowdrift.coop in which we worked on the cooperative structure, the legal ideas, uh, writing things, doing a bunch of other 
bigger, broader development things that happen when you're building an entire entity and an organization and a website. And I spent some of that studying and learning about different tools. Uh, after about a year, I went back to figuring out that I need to have some income because the site's not operating yet. And I don't know if even after it is, whether I will get any income out of it. That's not my that's not my purpose of it. It's a nonprofit, so I'm not going to get a return on my investment. But hopefully I will get to benefit from all of the results of all the projects we, we support if we succeed. Uh, so I'm back to teaching now, and I have uh, about 15 or 20 students that I teach. Uh, and it's hard to figure out, because I'm self-employed, you know, which how many hours or what. And I don't quantify everything. But basically I work probably a little more than half-time. Uh, teaching music lessons, and then I spend most of the rest of my time uh, working on snowdrift.coop. Okay, real good. So you're from Portland, Oregon. I live there now. Yeah, which I'm um, in St. Helens, so we're basically neighbors. Yep. So if I'm just going to ask you, if people want to get a hold of you for music lessons, they can contact you how? Uh, well, I have a personal website at wolftune.com. Uh, there's also a, I'm a, one of the listed as one of the co-founders at snowdrift.coop, and on my user page, there's some other uh, links to things. Uh, I wrote an essay that some people have appreciated with a lot of other useful links about the nature of copyright and especially how copyright relates to music education and music. And some other links to my website and another more extended version of my personal narrative dealing as a music teacher with these issues uh, is actually at my user profile on snowdrift.coop. So I've worked really, really hard to try to consolidate everything when I find links or useful references I'm trying to keep that all together so that although it's a little bit cumbersome and we need to make the navigation easier there's a lot of resources on the site already and a lot of people have found it very valuable despite that it's not operating they find the writings and the resources that we've put together useful uh, probably the most notable one is that we actually looked at all of the about about 700 crowdfunding-related sites that we knew about on the internet and then created a review of all of the existing ones specifically in relation to free and open projects pr pretty much because I felt it was important that we do our due diligence and don't just be one of those things where we put up another project without knowing what's already being worked on. And so I can say for sure that there wasn't anything and isn't anything comparable to what we we're doing that somebody else was already trying to do that we could have helped with uh, we, there really was this need for a new di direction, and that's what we're working on. And we wanted to respect what people are already doing and what's working and not working in other projects. Very good. I think you have an interesting project and one that's worthwhile. And I will encourage people from the Hacker Public Radio community to log on and get to know in your project. And when you get up and going, let's get it, these projects supported because I think that's an important part of the open source community. And I would point you to uh, one of our HPR contributors, John Culp, is a music professor from somewhere, but he has some episodes on Hacker Public Radio. And, of course, as always, the Hacker Public Radio uh, technology podcast, it relies on contributors from people that send in shows. It only lives when another show is sent in. And so I'm here today making a show by getting an interview for you, from you for your project, and you or anyone else that's listening can contribute just by going to hackerpublicradio.org and going to the contribute page and finding out how that's done. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you.
You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.